Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. What up, everybody? It's your man, Chops, from the Load Management Podcast. Brand new episode today from the podcast that sometimes talks about sports. Yes, sometimes, because you know what? We like to talk about other stuff and how sports interacts with the culture because you know what? This is complex. This is what we do. So let's get into it. We have a brand new episode today. What up, Adam? My co-host in Los Angeles. Good afternoon. Good morning. Good evening. Whatever time you're listening to us. Yeah, we appreciate you, all of you. Uh, tune into a sports show that's not really about sports, but it is about sports at the same time. We take pride in that and that versatility to, uh, you know, not dive into the numbers, but, you know, not not be corny in the same way. So so are we the glue guys of the Sports Podcast Network? Yeah, we're like the, uh, the uh, not the stars, even though I'm a star, but, uh, you know, the, the, the guys that you need to win a championship. You, you know, you need those glue guys. You need glue guys off the bench, the role players, the the guys who are going to buckle down, the utility players in baseball and the super subs in the NFL and the world of football that just come off the bench and do superstar-like shit. I like to think of it as uh, we're, we're specialists, you know? Specialists. Okay, so specialists, three-point specialists, maybe yeah. a goon who needs to muck it up a little bit here and there, defensive guy, maybe like an Andre Iguodala, maybe like a Ray Allen's prime. That's what, you're, that's what we're classifying ourselves as these days? Yeah. I mean, you're certainly a goon, so I think we can agree on that. So. Uh, that's that's debatable, pal. Adam, do you know how excited I am for today's episode? And if you're joining us for the first time, you know, we've had a lot of people on. So go back and listen to our catalog because we've had a lot of big sports people on, like we said, talking about sports, but talking about other shit, too. So make sure you go do that. But Adam, do you know why I'm so excited about today's podcast? Yeah, because you tweeted him every single goddamn day. We have Ian Rappaport from NFL Network on the podcast. Ian is my best friend on Twitter. I think he'd agree to that. That's very cute. And together we break a lot of Browns news. It's like 95% him breaking the oh, news. I, I, it's I like missed 99%. the part where you're breaking the Browns news, pal. I it's like 99.9% points. him breaking the Browns news, and then I'm I'm there along for the ride to get you know that, that 0.01% out. Well, we're going to we're gonna find out Ian's true true takes and true opinions on your pestering him for Browns news in a, in a few minutes. But if that's the way you want to classify it, then we'll let it slide for the first few minutes yeah. of the podcast. I like to think of it as a dynamic duo. Okay, so all right, you're only sli- <laughs> you're, you're only slightly hallucinating or being or being a little bit outrageous, but yes, yeah, so you two love to love to go back and forth about Brown stuff. You keep goading him on to break Brown's news. Um, there hasn't been a lot of big breakings of Brown news so far this offseason, but yeah, if you guys don't pay attention, as Chop said, Ian is definitely one of the preeminent NFL insiders um, by far. He's come yeah. a long way. I first met the guy back in shit 2006 or seven when he was covering the SEC. Um, back in Birmingham, Alabama, during one of those iconic three days spent in Hoover, Alabama, covering SEC <laughs> media days. I'm sure he has a shit ton of stories about the nonsense that goes on during those days. But yeah, yeah. his comeuppance has been pretty impressive. Um, and again, he is a guy that is as tuned into the NFL as anyone. And it's a really cool guest for us to, guess, to get a few weeks before the NFL draft. Yeah, plenty of scoops. I'm going to promise him because I'll just make Scoops, up some- sources, breaking news. He may break some news during the podcast. So yeah, who fucking knows? Yeah. 
Yeah, and if he doesn't have any scoops, then I'll just make up some scoops at the end of the podcast for everybody. That could be problematic, so you might want to you want to holster those and for save them for Twitter. Well, we'll see what happens. All right, so yeah, we're very excited to have Ian join us. Uh, let's get to it. Ian Rappaport from NFL Network, Rap Sheet on Twitter, uh, Rap Sheet and Friends Podcast, joining us today, Load Management Podcast. What's going on, man? What's going on? How you doing? Good, Ian. Before we start, I oh, have boy. to I have to do one thing. Okay. I have to do a screen share with you, okay? Okay. We got to talk about this. Uh-oh. Ian. Is that is that you? Yes. What? You didn't know? Oh, I thought you knew that going into this. No, what? I definitely did not. Well, Chots, explain to the viewers what, what wow. we're looking at right now. Uh, listen to this, I should say. Yeah, so listeners, wow. l- listeners listening to this, as you know, I'm the biggest Browns fan in the world. I tweet Ian a lot. Uh, I invited him to hang out with me in Miami, and he declined. And now I'm showing, the tweet. <laughs> and now I'm showing Ian the tweet. Well, quote, yeah, read it out loud. I thought you knew going into this. I did. Nobody tell. Nobody tells me anything. I didn't know that. Now I will say this: I stand by my tweet. Oh, wait. I'll take but a thing back. Explain. The, was it just you're busy during the Super Bowl, <laughs> or you didn't want to go to live, or what if I would have suggested like somewhere else? Uh, I have nothing against live. Uh, oh. when we were, uh, we were at the Kentucky Derby last year and one of the, the people who runs the VIP room was hanging out at our table. So I said a lot of nice things about live. Sounds like a nice place. I would go. It's just, you know, Super Bowl week's a little busy. You can't just be tossing out like, yeah, I'll hang out with you. I'll hang out with someone else. Like it's, it's a, it's a calendar that is extremely tight and very disciplined. You, you know what, you know, what's funny. I went to a... No party. offense, of course. I went to a party that night, and two of my friends who work for the NFL, Maurice and Hank from the marketing department, were like, yo, Ian, Ian Rappaport like, dunked on somebody on Twitter. He said he wouldn't hang out with them. And I'm like, oh, damn, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. And then I went and cried in the corner. I'm just joking. Yeah, no, it's – yeah. I guess. Well, so real quick, though, for, for the listeners here, Chops tweeted out to Ian, Ian, let me know if we're meeting up at Live in Miami this week. This is on January 28th. And Ian dunked on you, Chops, by saying, LOL, most certainly not. <laughs> now, 164 this, likes. I know. That, that's, like, that's really what you need to figure out is you need to go through my life, my likes and be like, all right, who's just being funny and who's like in my family? You know, like that's what you need to find out. Well, my thing, Ian, it, it's smooth transition. Let me take off the screen share there because we saw – I don't know. Let me see how to do that. Um, oh, well, there's that guy I recognize. There, there's well, it, I was replying to you about Andrew Barry, um, because you know every every Browns tweet you send, I do reply. You know that I have I have noticed yeah. when you were the coaching search, you were struggling, man. You were struggling. Are you happy now with with what you well, ended up? Or what do you think about Stefanski? Well, we do we do a coaching search every year. What do you, this is the second time in a year we've done it. I like right. Stefanski. I guess I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. It's the Browns. all right. Quick, quick for the listeners too. How long is the inside the Browns talking to last between you two? I mean, oh. I could ask Ian Brown. I know that's that's what that's what we have all, to ring you in day. a little bit. I'm just talking about Twitter and fans because I think it's very interesting for you, your insiders. One, who's the most annoying fan base on Twitter? And two, what is it like dealing with the social media landscape being an insider? You know, I actually, and I'm not just saying this; I literally mean it. I don't find any fan base annoying on Twitter. Uh, because, you know, there's always going to be the snark and there's always going to be, you know, fans who sort of expect everything to go bad. But I sort of, 
first of all, it's tough to wade through that with like also the people who were just generally jerks, like replying to everything in <laughs> stupid and mean ways. So like, you know, it's, it's, uh, none of it at this point, none of it really gets to me. So the real negative stuff, I really don't care about what I, what I do like is and really, really get a kick out of is like, let's say I break a, uh, you know, who's it like, let's say, I, you know, like I broke the Browns hiring Stefanski. Mm-hmm. You, know, you want the fans are so crazy that they just get so into it. Like the Raiders, you know, you break a Raiders story, break a Bills story. I mean, there's, you know, there's a lot of them like that, but there's some fan bases that are just more in absolutely completely insane than others. Uh, like, you know, every time you break a Patriot story, I'm like, you know, so that's what yeah. I, I really do get a kick out of that. When you break something like oh, the fans are going to, you know, you're going to hear from the fans on this one. And as far as the other stuff, like I basically don't read my, I read my verified mentions now. I don't read the other stuff. That's how you see me. That's how you see it's, me. Yeah. It, but it's so, it's the other stuff is so negative for like no reason, you know, like I just, you know, like I, I happen to see a text 10 seconds later than someone else and you get 10 responses like late, late. And I'm like, okay, like, what are we, doing? what are we doing here? So I, that stuff I don't really pay attention to. My th- my question is, do you, so you don't see the mentions, but you know, like there's full on communication about players who just signed in your mentions. Like someone will be like, is this person good? And then like, pe- like pro football focus will jump in with their grades. Like they're literally using your mentions as a springboard. It's like a forum in 2020. Yeah, and but that's like, in a weird way, like that's kind of what I do, right? Like on mm-hmm. the network, just to, like the mechanics of the way it works is like, let's say I break a story and I go for like, you know, 45 seconds, uh, you know, the, uh, you know, the, the Titans have signed Ryan Tannehill agreed to terms. That's four years, you know, hundred plus million, whatever it is. And they say, all right, Ian, thanks. And then they go to the, the table and they say, all right, guys, what do you think of this signing? And that's basically what it is on Twitter. It's like, I yeah. have the news and everyone's like, all right, guys, let's break this down. Let's discuss it. And, and I, I like all that. Um, it's just, you know, now when news is going crazy, I don't have time to read it anyway, but like, I wish it was just that instead of like all the really negative stuff too, because I used to like really like to read my mentions and talk back and forth to people. It's almost like I, I can't even do that now. But what point did they become toxic? Yeah. When did that, when did that switch? You think? Um, when I got a lot of followers, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Like when I was covering the Patriots, um, it was, you know, like I'd, I'd talk to people back and forth on Twitter and then I'd go to a game and they'd say, Hey, it's me from Twitter. And I'd be like, Oh, Hey, what's going on here? You try to have like a friendly rapport. And then it started getting up into like the high hundred thousands and million. And and then it sort of became like, you know, instead of people actually having conversations, it became more of like, you know, which troll thing can I do? And like, and I, again, like, I don't really care that much because none of it really means much of anything, mm-hmm. but it just sort of takes away a fun thing for me because it's all like, I almost can't interact with people anymore. Like I wish I, like I would like to, you know, you'd like to, you know, talk some Mets baseball on Twitter with people and you can't do I it. I would like to talk to Met, some Mets baseball. Yes. Do we want to I run do, our Mets, I, Mets fandom theory by Ian real quick chops? What, what was it? I forgot. When we were talking about last week. And why Why is the media full of Mets fans? That's true. Oh, yeah, that is true. 
You think you really think that's true? I mean, it's like especially like yeah. New York media. Um, and I know that you, I think you're originally from the East Coast, but like it's insane yeah. how like the New York media. There are so many guys working behind the scenes, and even guys on camera or writers that are Mets fans. And I feel like throughout the country too, you have a shit ton of people that are somehow Mets fans in the media, and they always love talking Mets baseball and love commiserating about how awful the Mets are. Interesting. Um, I would say that like there there actually are like. You know, I, I, again, like I can read my verified mentions. So when I see, I'll tweet about something for the Mets. And a lot of times it's good, but probably unfortunately more times. It's often bad with the Mets. It's often bad, yeah. <laughs> or it's like, I'll tweet something good. And then like two hours later, it's like, why, why did I do that? Like, why? <laughs> I just, you know, like there was one where they, you know, they were beating the hell out of the, the Nationals at some point and then came back. And it was, uh, yeah, anyway, there's, there's a couple of those that are just, that that are just in my memory and uh, i do notice a lot of media people i think the main reason is because yankee fans tend to be just really soulless um <laughs> the people who've been like you know given everything and are used to just like you know originally it was like buying championships and then it was like buying a farm system and then it was kind of just bullying teams around and and you know doing the kind of stuff that us really soulful um mets fans who kind of pick ourselves up by our bootstraps you know, for those of us who have dealt with heartache, the Yankee fans can't really understand. Um, you know, there's just, I think a lot, just a lot better people are Mets fans. So maybe that's why, and a lot of times good people end up in the media. So maybe that's the correlation. There it is I'm, right there. I'm wearing a Yankees fitted right now. So Ian said that, you know, with, uh, with all that going on. But yeah, appreciate the honesty. Mystery solved. Ian, you used to cover SEC football way back in the day. Not way back. I'm not trying to like age you or anything. Back in the day. I wear covered, a lot of makeup so people think I'm young, but go ahead. You used to cover the Patriots, as you said with us. Which was a crazier thing to cover, SEC college football or Patriots? Fans just in general, all of it, because those Not, are two spectrums right there. Nothing compares to Alabama football. I mean, <sighs> Patriots fans were crazy, don't get me wrong. When I got there, they were used to winning. So my first season covering the Patriots was um, – it was 2000 and – hold on. Uh, seven, eight. So it was, uh, I think it was 2009. Anyway, it was the year where, uh, where Brady, yeah, it was 2009 because Brady was come back from the ACL okay. and they ended up, um, losing to the Jets in the play. Anyway, yeah. um, but they had already won it, Super Bowls, you're saying, right? Yeah. They'd already won Super Bowls and the fans were used to winning, so mm. they were sort of like entitled, which I don't mean in a bad way, but just like used to really used to winning mm-hmm. um so it was intense but it was okay nothing will ever be like alabama i mean uh it's like every little thing i could be i i, I but my memories of covering alabama i mean i always remember you know going to the tuscaloosa airport when nick saban arrived and it being five thousand people and we had basically been we had an intern camped out there for three and a half days in case he arrived we would yeah. like send him pizza and soda whatever um just like literally sitting at the airport and I, it was 5,000 people. Like, I remember that. But I also remember sitting covering Alabama basketball or Alabama baseball, which I also covered, breaking mm-hmm. a recruiting story for Alabama football and nobody caring about baseball, nobody caring about basketball, everybody wanting to know, like, you know, what did it mean that Dante Hightower committed to Alabama or, or whatever it was? Or, like, yeah. you know, yeah. like, what is this? You know, they signed a quarterback. What does this mean for A.J. McCarron's recruitment? Like, it's like nothing ever. And then, you know, the, the biggest story I ever broke was Alabama agreeing in terms of, with Rich Rodriguez 
uh, which was right and is still right. And then he reneged. And the unbelievable amount of hate that I received from that will be like, unlike, like I could, like I can almost deal with like anything now because I dealt with that, you know, those like 10 days or whatever. Yeah. I I forgot about the Rich Rodriguez thing. How many times has that happened with an NFL story where you were right and it was right, but it didn't happen? It happens. Um, And, you know, it's, there's been there. And now with free agency, the way it is, like it all goes so fast that guys agree to terms. I mean, it happened last year, right? Um, Anthony Barr agrees to terms with the Jets, flips, agrees to terms with the Vikings. Now the Jets story was right. Vikings story was more right. Um, It happened when, you know, the, the bills were closing in on trade for Antonio Brown that did not end up, did not end up happening. You know, contract was a big issue there. Um, And that's why like, you'll see like the language now is always so, so careful. Um, And like, so the, the DeForest Buckner trade to the Colts this year, Mm -hmm. which I knew for, you know, I probably knew was going to happen for more than a week. Oh wow! Um, And I just kept it quiet and prayed because it was contingent on getting the contract done and a couple other things. Mm -hmm. And just, I, at that point I was like, I'm just going to wait till it's done, done, you know, like that's just, um, it's crazy. And that, you know, that stuff really happens. Um, or like what also happens in the draft, you know, a team is targeting this guy and they're definitely going to take this guy. And then someone else becomes available and it's like, Oh, that changed. Just, it all goes so fast, you know, going back to your sec days, what's the comparison and what's the dynamic like between, um, covering Saban who is unique and, um, you know, a bit of a character compared to Belichick, who is on a completely different spectrum. Like, how is it, how is it dealing with Saban for the years you dealt with Saban down in Birmingham and Alabama, and then the years you spent covering Belichick and, and the simulators, but also major differences in those two football geniuses? Yeah, it's so, so interesting. Um, and I still think I'm the only reporter to ever cover both, um, which is that. like, it's been so cool and so fun. And I like both of them. Uh, now, me and Nick did not always get along, at least early Who on. Who did Nick get along with? I mean, he like he picks fights with the guys all the time. He what he did was he would pick one guy, and that was his, so it was that was his guy. So it was Cecil Hurt from the Tuscaloosa News, who does mm-hmm. a great job and is still there. Yeah, um, that was like his guy. And you got I along was with Bill. Guy. You got along with Bill. I get along with Bill. Yep, I still okay. do. Um, That's good. But with with Nick, well, one thing about Bill is is so when I covered him, like, you know, I'd ask all the injury questions. I'd always ask and he didn't care, but I would ask and then he would give his answer. Then I would move on. Cause you're never going to like trick him into anything. You're never going to get him to be like, well, I didn't mean to say this, but actually it's an ACL, you know? So yeah. I, I mean, I think the reason we, we got along and still get along pretty well is I like to talk about football and he likes to talk about football too. So yeah. we would, you do the press conference and then you go off into like a little ante room and I'd be like, all right, I'm working on this story on this between like, like this football topic or this interplayer dynamic or this team building thing. And he would, he would answer because he liked that kind of stuff too. A couple of football um, guys. Just right. I mean, now he knows a little bit more than I do, but now with Saban, <laughs> it was different though, because he, the second year he and I had definitely had a mutual respect that we were fine. First year, I just pissed him off a lot. Um, <laughs> Because, you know, guys would get arrested, suspended, take a scholarship away. I'd ask about it all the time. He did not like that I was always sitting in the front row asking about it. But the difference with Saban is he was – there were times when he would say something 
and not mean to. Like, mm. you know, I remember like Rashad Johnson is literally one of the best people I ever covered when to playing for the Cardinals. Uh, he got arrested on some nonsense, some mm-hmm. like ridiculous thing. And Saban was being asked over and over, was he going to be disciplined? Now Saban knew he didn't deserve to get disciplined, but he kept putting it off, putting it off. And finally he's like, what do you want me to say? That I'm not going to discipline him because he doesn't deserve it? Of course that's the truth. And I'm not going to come out and say that. And you're like, oh. But Belichick never has those moments. He never slips up. Never slips up. That was different. That's interesting. My thing is, you, and you talked about knowing these stories, like you knew about the Buckner thing for a while, DeForest Buckner. When did you guys know about Tom Brady? For sure leaving. Because everybody danced around it for so long, and everybody's like, he's – he, oh, you know, like tea leaves and all that kind of stuff. It's like a LeBron situation. I lived through LeBron leaving twice where the tea, oh, right. leaves, the tea leaves are a very big thing. And sometimes you want to ignore them as a fan, but like media people put it out there, you know? That's a great question. So Brady, so on that Sunday, you know, I knew that he was going to have a decision. I knew he was going to have something decided basically before um, the league, before like the tampering window. Mm-hmm. Because the Patriots needed to know, like, like, all right, we need to know, like, how much are we going to have to spend? Like, you know, they really needed to know. So I knew something was going to happen Sunday. I didn't know what. And he ends up going over to, to, Kraft's, to Robert Kraft's house. And, and on Monday morning, uh, when, on the day that Brady – that, that was the day Brady posted his letter, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Monday morning, um, I knew from the people I was talking to – that the Patriots had zero dialogue about a contract. And so I'm like, you know, it's like 930 or something. Tempering window hasn't opened. And I'm hitting people and I'm like, they haven't talked contract. This is obviously different from what I thought. Like, what does this mean? They're not going to wait. Obviously, they'd come out with it. So like, why haven't they talked contract? And then he comes out with the letter and I'm like, okay, so he's not going back to the Patriots. That makes Mm -hmm. sense. And they were really, at that point, they were pessimistic that they were going to keep him. So that made sense. Right after that, I would say it was probably another like, you know, half a day until I realized like, okay, the Bucks are in the driver's seat here. And everyone mm-hmm. involved with the Bucks was like, no, 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 we don't know. We promise. Like, I'm like, because they were all, they were all optimistic internally. Mm-hmm. But then you saw like Jason Light, the GM, was quoted as saying, we don't know. Yeah, they were very nervous. So I knew probably by Monday afternoon that the Bucks were in the driver's seat, and I knew like midday Tuesday that it was going to be the Bucks. But knowing something and being able to report it are very different. Very different. Very. Did you ultimately take a? Sorry, and go ahead. Didn't want to interrupt you. No, I'm just curious. Like, as you take a step back from the free agency, you know, frenzy that happened a few weeks ago, are you ultimately surprised that Brady went to Tampa Bay? Now that you have you know the long view to look back and kind of analyze everything. Um, I'm not surprised that he left. You know, the problem was I was getting all, like a lot of the information I was getting was like, you know, he doesn't think they're going to, he doesn't think they're going to pay him. And maybe the Patriots aren't all in and he kind of would like a fresh start anyway. Like all the stuff that was reported, I was hearing, but I wasn't sure if I actually believed it in a, you know, to say like sources say Brady's not expected back because, mm-hmm. Even though everyone said to me, Robert Kraft is not going to step in, I still didn't want to box myself in and be like, this is definitely what's happening. Because 
when it's Kraft and Brady at Kraft's house, I cannot predict what's going to happen. I mean, what ended up happening was what everyone said, mm-hmm. but I just, you know, unless I have both those people telling me we're going our separate ways, I was just, I was going to, I was just going to wait. It just wasn't, I, I just, in, in the only journalism terms I could say, I just didn't have it, you know? Yeah. So I thought what was going to happen, happened, but I always left open the possibility that Kraft would step in and be like, we love you, come back. It didn't seem like anybody really had it, right? Because the Brady one was one that kind of came out very slow. Like it, it right. wasn't like it wasn't like you and Schefter at the same time. He's going to the Bucks. It was like the Chargers might be out. The Bucks look like just deductive right. reasoning says the Bucks are the team. So I think it was a little bit different than some other free agency cases, right? Yeah, and like I spend so much time, way too much time, <laughs> trying to figure out like how stuff is going to break, right? Because yeah. Brady's people were like, he's going to break it. Like, you know, and then he's he going, did break. He's going we, Kevin Durant with it, yeah. He's going to break. And I'm like, okay, but he's not like a – he's on social media, but he's not like a guru. Like, he doesn't – Brady's stuff leaks all the time. Mm-hmm. Does. A lot, there was a lot of people, talks to a lot of people, stuff leaks all the time. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, that's not going to happen. So how is it actually going to break? And once the Patriots were out, then it was like, all right, it's going to come from the team he goes to. Well, actually, no, because he didn't have his physical yet. And it was a different thing. You know, like coronavirus changed everything. Mm-hmm. And then so, like, the, to me, the biggest break in the whole thing was Jim Trotter, my colleague, mm-hmm. saying the Chargers are out. Because then, like, I knew no Raiders, no Niners, no mystery team, like, it was just the Bucks and the Chargers. Well, if it's not the Chargers, not the Patriots. It could only be the Bucks. So to me, that was the first like, okay, this is happening. And then it was a matter of how strongly can you say. It. And I was able to say like, he's agreed to terms. Like the contract is done. Mm-hmm. You know, probably it took me probably longer than I would than I imagined. But in the end, we you know we finally got to say it. Why why were why were the Raiders and the Titans and the 49ers and all these teams that we've been hearing about for months, why were they never in it at the end? Was it just they don't believe in Brady or they just the, the Titans, I, I just you know, I never got the sense they were in it. It's weird yeah. because I mean look, they were they interested? Sure, he's Tom Brady. You have Vrabel, like, okay, I get it. They definitely mm-hmm. were there's some thought about it. But Everyone was discussing the Titans, and I kept thinking I was literally crazy. <laughs> Everyone I talked to was like, we're all in on Tannehill. We're going to get Tannehill done. And so I kept saying it, and like, I kind of felt – I was like, why is nobody believing me? <laughs> like, as I was like, There's, they're just – they're not in on Brady. And yeah. then they got Tannehill done. I was like, oh, okay. And then I was told around the time of the Super Bowl, Brady wants the Raiders, but like, they're probably not going to make a big run at him. And then everybody was reporting Raiders, and I'm like, maybe I'm crazy. He wanted the Raiders, you think? Yes. Oh, yeah. Why no, I'm you... not saying more than the Bucks, but I'm just For saying, sure. like, yeah. that was a team that he definitely identified was like, okay, like, I like this. I could win here. And the 49ers, too. I mean, yeah. he would have loved it, but they get that Jimmy Garoppolo, and, yeah. and it's just, you know, you want to completely start over for a year or two with Tom Brady, they decided ultimately no. Would Belichick have taken Garoppolo back? Say it got to, say it got to that point. Do you think? Because that was one of the extreme biggest extreme hypothetical. That's an extreme hypothetical because you get to that point and you're like, what do they do with Jimmy G? You know. Well, I mean, would they have taken him back? Like, my 
contract would have been tough, right? Because the Patriots don't have any cap space. Um, you know, I, I think I think they probably would have figured out a way to make it work. Um, I also think that had the 49ers thought that they were getting Brady, the Garoppolo trade probably would have happened first. Mm. Because at that, my guess is the Patriots may not franchise Tooney and do the Garoppolo thing. Like, they, they could have worked it out. It would but have been like a ripple effect thing, yeah. Yeah, like they would have, you know, the Garoppolo trade would have happened. We would have been like, okay, wow, this definitely means Brady's going to. So, yeah. but, you know, I don't know. I mean, one thing about Belichick, like he always does what's best for the team. So it's like, would he have taken Garoppolo back after trading? I'm like, you know, brought Deion Branch back, you know? That's true. It's the difference. So, so what the hell are the Patriots going to do at quarterback next season? Right. That's the, that's the million-dollar question. I mean, my best guess right now is Brian Hoyer starts week one. Um, Jared Stidham, who I think they really, really like, um, he is ready. And, you know, they are going to draft a quarterback somewhere. I'd love to know right now where, uh, but I don't. <laughs> you know, could I see like a big move up in the draft? You'd have a long way to go. Um, the one thing I don't see is I do not see a a like tanking slash rebuilding year. Like the Patriots are always good, always. So I'm sure next year they'll probably be good. No Cam though. Like a lot of people bring Cam up. No Cam. Yeah. Maybe you know if he would take the minimum or something. They don't. The problem yeah. they don't have any cap space. So like, you know, it looks like a rebuilding year cap wise because they got all that dead money, mm-hmm. and so it is a little bit of a sort of a fresh start, but I still think they're going to be good because they're always good. Eh, that's a way to look at it. It's like the Browns. The Browns are always bad, even when you think they're going to be good. All right, we, Actually, we already I, talked about the Browns no, already. We no, spent no, we're going to get more into the Browns. Let's Before we get into the draft stuff, let's button up one more free agency thing. The biggest surprise, I think, was the DeAndre Hopkins trade. Like, this had people floored, I think, right? Or maybe not from you guys on the inside. Publicly, I think people were like, what are they doing? Yeah, see, I I was, I mean, yeah, it was, I was expecting them to trade him. Wow, that's so, crazy to me. What, and and that was another one, like, you know, you keep these things quiet, and then hopefully, you know, you're able to say it when it happens. That kind of happened in a weird way because we knew David Johnson was getting traded first, and it was, mm-hmm. but anyway, um, I expected him to be traded. Um, I didn't feel like him and O'Brien were on the same page. Very quietly, the Texans shopped him at the trade deadline. And then again, like around the time of the Super Bowl and the Combine. So he was definitely available. Wow. Um, I expected him to be traded. I didn't know it was going to be the Cardinals. Um, but I knew the two had had some preliminary trade talks. So when it happened, I was not surprised. I was just like, okay, wow, this thing finally happened. Um and then we'll see, you know, do the Cardinals pay him the 18 or $20 million that he wants? That's going to be interesting, too. But were you surprised by the lack of return that the Texans got? I wasn't uh, because, the, you know, the Texans wanted a one, and I knew they couldn't get it because had they gotten it, it would have been Yeah, done but already. even for the best wide receiver, arguably, in the NFL? Yeah, I mean, he's, he's you know, 28 or 29. He, want, he has three years left on his contract. He wants a new deal that would pay him 18 to 20. It's just – you know, when you have, I mean, Darius Slay is one of the best corners in the NFL. Mm-hmm. 
and he only got a three and a five, and he got a new deal also. I think the you Stephon know, Diggs trade made people think. Like common fans were like, if they can't see the the years remaining, everything like, wait, Stephon Diggs just went for a one. DeAndre Hopkins didn't go for a one. A one plus. A one, yeah, one plus. Like the well, the Vikings four, did very four, good in that total trade. Picks I that the uh, Vikings got in return. Yeah, the Vikings did very well, but like for the common fan, they're they're like. DeAndre Hopkins is better than Stefan Diggs and the Texans got less. That's true. Um, now again, like the contract changes things a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, a wise man, Bill Belichick once told me you are worth what someone will pay for you. So the NFL decided that DeAndre Hopkins was worth that. Now the Texans, you know, they got back a starter and a running back, a very expensive one, but a starter, they got a two, like they definitely got some return. Um, but that was the most they could get. Are they risking alienating Deshaun Watson though? Like he's, I, I don't, NFL players tweet crazy stuff. Stefan Diggs tweeted uh, trade stuff for two years, but Deshaun Watson's Twitter has been very. Stefan you know? Diggs not trading trade stuff now will, will make me sleep a little bit easier, but yes. <laughs> or his brother tweeting a, a Photoshop of him in a Patriots uniform. I'm like, come on, bro. Um, <laughs> I will be curious to hear what Deshaun Watson has to say the first time he does an interview. Um, it To me, it's similar to what some of the Patriots think and have thought over the years about the decisions Belichick has made, but trust in Bill. Um, I don't think the Texans players are there yet, but if they win, they probably will be. But what about the justification that Bill O'Brien has been giving and you know what he's been putting out there about why Hopkins, you know, they went the route they want to Hopkins. Are you guys buying that? Or is it just, you know, Bill trying to put up some sort of shield and just get away from this news cycle as much as he possibly can right now? Um, he's definitely never going to say what's always what's completely on his mind. But, you know, to me, there's a couple things. There's the contract. There's Hopkins is probably going to hold out. Uh, wanted 18 to 20 million. And then I just, you know, DeAndre Hopkins is a fantastic player. You could not argue that he's one of, not one of the best players in the NFL on Sundays. I know the Texans didn't love the way he practiced and they're trying to build a culture when you have one of your team leaders that the head coach is not happy with the way he practices. At least that's worth something. What? I don't know, but at least that's worth something. And that kind of went into the equation as far as like um, why they ended up trading before before we lose you here, let's get one big draft prediction from you because I think this draft is very different. It's gonna be all virtual, as you guys yep. reported today. Um, obviously, we know Burrow's going one, and then it kind of you know Chase Young, and then it kind of goes from there. What 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 kind of craziness could we see with the draft in a few weeks away? Anything that we don't see coming? Um, I would say here are my quick draft predictions. Okay, let's let's do it. One fewer trades than normal. Because mm-hmm. the trading is going to be really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, you will see one team with a entrenched quarterback. Um, Saints would be a possibility. Um, Patriots don't have an entrenched quarterback, but would be a possibility. Falcons, Thomas Dimitrov was strangely interested in quarterbacks this year at the draft, showing up at the weigh-in. One of those teams uh, jump up big for a quarterback. That's my guess. A team with a veteran established starter coming all the way up for like Jordan Love in the teens or something like that. That is my guess. 
Not much, go. but that's what it is. There we go. I think it's like as you said. What ha- real quick? What happens if someone's Wi-Fi goes out during the virtual draft? That's what everybody's tweeting about. To twenty second timeout. Right. There we go. Awesome, Ian. We appreciate you, man. You guys rock. Thank you. Thank you, Ian. Thank you, man. Good stuff. Take care. Thank you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over seventy percent of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com/people today. All right. Yep. Uh, shout out to my man Ian Rappaport. I love how he was surprised, Adam, that he didn't know that he was coming on my podcast, even though I tweeted him all the time. Well, I'm <laughs> considering how he dunked on you, you know, in Super Bowl week, maybe that we should he have dunked expected on me, that. He dunked on me again for he this. He's dunking he on you. He likes dunking on you for some reason. He went back down. I thought he was going to apologize. He didn't. Yeah. Uh, At least he great. keeps that same energy. We have to give him credit for that. He kept that same energy. I rock with that. I'm, I'm a big fan of that. Uh, obviously, we got a lot of NFL nuggets in there, a lot of uh, free agency stuff, some draft stuff. Um, most interesting thing to me, I think, is that Tom Brady wanted to play for the Raiders. Right. Yeah, I thought that that stuck out to me too. That was probably uh, number one most interesting tidbit that Ian dropped on the podcast. And I think two was the draft nuggets that he dropped on us at the end. Yeah, I think it's obviously the Saints aren't – he will, for if you're just kind of tuning into this part of the podcast, uh, he said the Saints are a team that could trade up for a quarterback, the Patriots are a team that could trade up for a quarterback, and the Falcons are a team that could trade up for a quarterback. So obviously the Saints are getting ready for Drew Brees to leave. That's no secret. I mean – this is probably his last year before he retires. That's not a secret. The Falcons, on the other hand, Matt Ryan's not that old, you know? No, he's not. And and But, I mean, if you take a step back and think about it, it does kind of make sense. I mean, you want to get your ducks in a row. And if the Falcons do have someone that they have locked in on that we haven't really read widely about, and he was kind of alluding to some guys, you know, doing low-key surveillance and, and being hooked on some quarterbacks here and there during the combine process. But if you have a guy in mind that you think you could develop, you know, for a couple of years, stash him a la Aaron Rodgers, why not pull the trigger? But also, you know, if you're going to waste a first round pick on someone that's not going to play for three years, that's that, like you better not miss on that individual. That person better be your quarterback for like 12 years going down the line. So, I mean, there's a little pressure on that. But the Saints moving up does make sense when, yes, Drew, Drew Brees probably has a shelf life max of two years. Yeah, and one thing I didn't agree with him on is the Patriots are going to be good again this year. I don't – them starting Brian Hoyer, there is no that's, way that yeah, – That to me when he said that's like it's still kind of nuts that Belichick – I guess it's like maybe the hubris of Bill Belichick where it's like I can he still carry, be good he carries no matter weight. what. He carries weight, but bro, Brian Hoyer is not – Do you leading. really believe that Brian Hoyer is going to be the starting quarterback for the Patriots week one? Like I like I right mean, now I have such a tough time believing saying. that. But yeah, I mean if Ian's, if Ian's saying that, he obviously knows a hell shit ton more than we do, so – I'll take yeah. him at that. But when he dropped that, I was like, like I'm in my head. I'm like, you got to be fucking kidding me. How is Belichick going to start Brian Hoyer week one? I mean, obviously their defense is still going to be very good. But I just don't see a scenario where Brian Hoyer can lead a team to wins in 2020. No, and and you and I were joking um, or talking about, a, I think, offline about, you know, where would – in terms of Vegas, we haven't seen the odds yet. At least I haven't seen him for like, you know, who would be your division winner out of the AFC East. 
I'd imagine that Vegas, or maybe we did talk about this on the podcast. Maybe I'm losing my mind in no, we did, yeah. in isolation yeah. time. All right, so then we did talk about it. So yeah, the Patriots were still favored, and we didn't agree yeah. with it. But which I, mean, I don't agree that's... with it. But I'm not surprised that Vegas put it that way or did it that way. Yeah, maybe people think they're still the favorites. I don't know. I don't think that. I just don't see the Patriots being able to do that. I found it very interesting that the the public was basically the only people surprised by the DeAndre Hopkins trade as well. That's another thing Ian said. Yeah, that's like good. I mean, again, shopping him at the deadline last year, no one heard about that. That, that was, I don't think we ever saw a reporter heard about that. No, um, that's only no. the true insiders would know about that. The that the Texans low key were sniffing around. What could they get back for Hopkins? And there's assertion that like, yeah, Belichick Lon, like you know, you're worth what you can get. Um, it kind of makes sense. I mean, Hopkins didn't want to get paid. And we know that where you want to stash the majority of your salary cap is that quarterback and guys that can fuck up the quarterback. So you don't want to allocate too, too much. But again, it's like we talked about some past podcasts. It's like, wouldn't you want to pay for the top wide receiver in the game, the guy who has the best hands and the guy who can just wreak havoc? And why would you want to split that dynamic duo? But Bill O'Brien's trying to prove that he's like, you know, a baby genius a la Bill Belichick. And that remains to be seen like, you know, and you notice Ian, Ian kind of danced around the whole Deshaun Watson thing. I think, I think that's a that's one we should we could watch develop a little bit if Deshaun's actually happy in Houston, especially after they trade DeAndre. I mean, uh, well, how the hell can he be happy right now when your number one weapon and arguably the most dynamic wideout in the game is gone? Um, I know there's still some other pieces for him to throw to, and it's not like you know there's the, the cupboard's completely bare in Houston, but. I imagine that Deshaun's going to be salty for a while over this. And like Ian said, when he finally does talk on the record and he actually is honest about it, it's going to be incredibly interesting to hear what he has to say. Yeah, like I said, he's been subtweeting people. Like people think he's taking shots at the Texans on Twitter. He probably low-key is, though. I mean, really. The, it's the like, odd, I, mean, do you, I mean, I saw odds that said the Patriots are the favorites to get Deshaun Watson in 2021. I didn't see that, but I remember you bringing up first that, you know, with yeah. Deshaun. So with there's the people. Patriots sniff around. And, but, again, we haven't seen Belichick go that route of, like, a dynamic guy the way Deshaun has. I don't know if he would switch up, you know, after, again, 20 years of a I mean, but the thing is, we haven't, seen, we haven't seen the Patriots use any other quarterback for 20 years than yeah. Tom Brady. So it's not like they've had the option to go, you know. No, but also, again, Brady was the GOAT at shuffling up in the pocket and so adept at avoiding the big hits. Um, yeah. You know, even though he wasn't the most agile and athletic quarterback, like he had an uncanny ability to avoid getting blown up. And uh, he's definitely a better athlete, I think we give him credit for. Yeah, for sure. Uh, overall, I thought it was a very good discussion. I thought Ian dropped a lot of nuggets, a lot of bombs. Um, but yeah, as Ian alluded to, Brady almost or was actually seriously sniffing around the Raiders, um, you know, a few months before this all came down. Fine. And that would have that would have been like your ultimate dream come true right there. Mayan? Why? Yeah, you were going hard in the paint for Brady to be on the Raiders. I predicted because it just it made a lot of sense. So it's good. To, it's good to know that me and Tom Brady agree f- about the. Oh, that's that's career. your biggest takeaway from the podcast is that you and Tom mean, Brady are in the same wavelength. Me and Tom Brady agree that Las Vegas is one awesome. Two would I'd live there. Three, uh, you would get tired of Vegas real quick, pal. No, I I could thrive there. You can eat well there, but other than that, there ain't there ain't hell of a lot much going on. Complex sports Vegas. Um, I mean, listen, we could have Ian on for two hours, but he's a very busy yeah. man. He had to go tape his own podcast and do some other shit. So, yeah. And we almost had him break some news. He had to take a quick break to uh, right. to text and fire off uh, you know, some messages here and there. But, yeah, we could have Ian on for hours talking about the NFL draft and the machinations and everything else. But um, real cool information, real cool nuggets, awesome behind-the-scenes stuff about, again, one of the premier NFL insiders and how he breaks his news. Um, so, yeah, good shit for sure from Ian. Yeah, and we're going to have more draft stuff coming up because, obviously, the draft is in a few weeks. It's going to real – 
get real because uh, that's the only goddamn thing going on in sports right now. Exactly. Is the NFL draft. Yeah, the only thing that people are going to be fucking talking about is the draft. So it's coming up. As Ian said, he's expecting less trades, but he is expecting teams to move up for a quarterback. So that will be interesting. All right, you guys ready for some trivia? Yeah, let's do some trivia. Us. We got we got Alejandro popping in to read some trivia. Let's get into it. Right on. All right, let's hope you guys uh, enjoy this. All right, first question. Uh, Patriots themed. Mm-hmm. In the 2003-2004 seasons, the Patriots set a record-winning streak. How many games was that streak? Well, they went 19-0 before the Super Bowl. You're, you got the total wrong here. They went 19-0 in 2007. What year did he just say? 2003-2004. Oh, shit. All right. Jeez. Right? Thank, you. Thank you for that. Heads up. How's it a record if they won 18 straight? Did they win more than 18? I'm only taking final answers. Oh God! So it's more than Jesus. 18. I'm going to say 21 games. Because I think I, it, I think say, I, I, I think gonna, I think I remember this going into a second season. I was going to say 24. All right, Chop's got it. It's 21. Yeah. Oh, well done. There we go. Look at that. Nice. Your memory is good. Let's All do right, it. Moving on to Mississippi State. All right. Oh yeah, he covered Mississippi State. So, in in honor of our man Ian Rappaport, here's some Mississippi State trivia. Right on. Dak Prescott holds the school record for most career total touchdowns with 72. Who is number two? Oh, I, I'm going to go with somebody. I'm going to say Darren McFadden. Darren McFadden went to Arkansas, so that would be wrong. Oh. Um, <laughs> I go to Arkansas. <laughs> I'm, trying to think of the most, I'm trying to think of the second know. most prominent Mississippi State quarterback. Um, is he currently at – well, did he have any kind of NFL career, Alejandro? How do you know it's a quarterback? I'm assuming a quarterback accounted for more touchdowns than a running back or a wide receiver. Maybe. Do we get a hint, Alejandro? Uh, hold on. I'm trying to look up his career, but I. Oh God! So this is a nobody. I don't even know. This I don't is, even I, know. Yeah. Now, if you're struggling this bad to give us a hint, this is this is we're never gonna get the answer. I don't think I could name five Mississippi State players who went there. I think I could barely name two. Dak Prescott, uh, I swore Darren McFadden went to. No, McFadden was Arkansas. He went to Arkansas, yeah, with what, Matt McFadden Jones was in college when I was, covering, when I was covering college football. Jeez. Alejandro, just give us the answer. Uh, what's we're the not, answer? We're, we're not going to get anybody. Is Don Smith. Uh, yeah, Ooh. I mean, forget the fuck the out fuck, of here with okay, that. Okay, next, next. All right, this one is uh, Alabama-themed. Oh, well, this I, I know Alabama more than Great. Mississippi State. Who holds the Alabama record for rushing yards in a game? That's a tough one because mm. they have so many damn they've good had, running yeah, backs. Yeah, they've had a, a, a string of awesome running backs during Nick Saban's years. I'm going to go Trent Richardson. Richardson was a beast. I'll say I think Mark Ingram had the most impressive Heisman campaign of all the Heisman winning running backs for them. So I'll say Mark Ingram. It's actually Sean Alexander. Oh, way back. back. Yeah, I forgot Saban's Sean time. Alexander went to Alabama. He was a beast. I have uh, another one on standby if you guys want another. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah. Fire away. Yeah, let's do it. So in this wide receiver's rookie season in New England, he caught 37 passes and averaged just under 10 yards per reception. Who is he? Fucking vague. <laughs> Julian Edelman. Uh, do you want to – can we get a time frame? Uh, I have a hint here, but I feel like it'll just give it away. Well, let's, Don't, right, give let's a hint. How, Don't give a hint. Let's see how obvious the hint is. 
No, don't give it away. Don't tell him anything. Guess. I guess Julian. Is it this decade? Is it this decade? Last decade? Have can I get a time frame? Uh, it's it's like on the border of both. <laughs> what is that? Mean? Like the beginning of this decade. Early. Okay, so you straddle two decades is what you're saying. I, I'm saying Julian Edelman. I'm uh, right. Who got drafted ten years ago by the Patriots? That was okay. That was Julian decent. Edelman. Julian um, Edelman. Was Amendola drafted? But no. I, uh, uh, Clock's ticking, buddy. Yeah, I know. Um, oh, fuck. Who was that receiver? So here's a hit. Um, I'm, Don't give him a hint. I need a hint. In college, he played. He played quarterback. It's Julian Edelman. It's Edelman, then, yeah. yeah. Julian Edelman. <clears throat> Chops, you won this round of trivia. That's two right questions for, or two That's correct answers for you. I brought in the, the energy for my man Ian to get her, the, the answers right. Um, yeah, another podcast in the books, load management podcast where we talk sports, but only sometimes. Um, Adam, thank you. Until I'll next you. time. I'll see you next week, buddy. Adios. Of course, special shout out to our producers, Alejandro DeJesus and Jasmine Plata. Sound engineering done by Craig Clayton and Josh Dodd. Mixing done by Jasmine Plata. Our editor-in-chief, Damian Scott, shout to him. Director of Video Operations, Jen Stewart. Load Management is a production of the Complex Podcast Network. See you later.